Hi, everybody. I'm here with Michael Carter. By day, Michael is a minister at a Unitarian church in Asheville, North Carolina. But what he does the rest of the time and the books he's written are not the things he preaches about on Sunday because we're talking about the connection, which was his thesis work, between aliens, UFOs, angels, God, and the Bible, and how this is represented in the Bible and some very specific things about how we have been wrapped around the axle with some really kind of um, unfortunate messaging, shall we say. <laughs> so without further ado, hi, Michael. Everybody can see you now. It's uh, I just saw you and met you um, at Startworks USA in Laughlin, Nevada at Paola's conference just last weekend. And I was watching your presentation and thought, you know, we need to get into this. This is, this is important um, because the messaging that has gone out uh, oftentimes through the Old Testament and other, other documents has led people to feel like they're lesser than other species. And this is not what we should have ever been subjected to or, or have taken away from any of these messages, but eh, they're there. So first of all, Tell us a little bit about your own background because you were raised more kind of fundamentalist Baptist. And oh yeah. How did the rest of this start <laughs> your consciousness? Take it away. Well, okay. I was born in Baltimore, Maryland. My parents worked for the government. Uh, my mom was in tel uh, a stenographer. My dad was in telecommunications, and I was raised up in 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 the Baptist tradition, you know. And I drank the Kool Aid and. And I don't want to be disrespectful because that still works. For instance, it still works for my parents. And it did for me uh, for many, many years. I mean, I could recite passages from the Bible just off the top of my head and what have you. But, you know, as time goes on and people change and I changed and I started thinking more. And I had a lot of anger at the church because the answers were given me before I even knew what the questions were. But I, you know, I started to grow and started to read things, a lot of existentialist philosophy, Sartre, Camus, uh, Heidegger, Martin Heidegger. Fascinating. Uh, it's, it's always interesting to read people who you kind of don't like because they give you a clue like Martin Heidegger, brilliant mind that he was, was a Nazi. But, but his treatises on what is reality are just excellent. But anyway. And uh, I started just asking questions like, if there's a loving God, why would someone be damned to hell? I knew people who weren't Christian, at least the way I was Christian, and I just couldn't fathom that. And so I, I started this spiritual path. And then back in 1989, um, I had uh, what I call a contact experience with uh, an extraterrestrial being. And after that, my life started to open up even more. And um, I think my spiritual growth was accelerated. Again, I want to be clear, I was doing my own work, but it just started to, 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 things just happened very rapidly. The right books were coming my way, the right people. And because of some other authors before me, whom I mentioned at the conference, you know, I, we all stand on the shoulders of other people. And I was standing on the shoulders of people like Dr. Barry Downing, Morris K. Jessup, uh, Virginia Brasington, a woman who was right here from Asheville, North Carolina. She wrote a book also on UFOs in the Bible. And so it got me going. The, the thing that was different between myself 
and these folks is that I was having experiences. Now, if they were, they weren't talking about them. I know Dr. Barry Downing, who's my friend and colleague, I know he wasn't having them. Uh, so, so that's what got me on this path. So let's talk a little bit about those early encounters. And there are a couple in particular that I'd love to hear about, but um, let's talk about your first encounter. Okay, the first encounter that I had when I saw this being, now I want to be clear, you know, Kierkegaard says uh, life is lived forward, but it's only understood backwards. When I was a kid, I was seeing beings, but they didn't have bodies. And I would wake up with nosebleeds and uh, I could see auras around people, which I still do, very much so. But I thought everybody did, so I had nothing to, to really compare it with. But in 1989, December uh, uh, 28, 1989, I went to Cancun with my girlfriend at the time. And we went to the Yucatan Peninsula to see uh, the pyramids, the Mayan pyramids, at Chichen Itza and Tulum. And on the way back home, I was living in New York then, um, I went to a party. A friend of mine invited me to a party. She, uh, my girlfriend was too tired to go. It was really cold. And I kind of wanted to show off my tan and wanted to, you know, just kind of gloat because it was freezing back home. So I went to the party. Uh, as I mentioned, no adult beverages consumed. I didn't even see any there. I'm a devil aid freak, so I ate all of those that I could. And I went home. And uh, I don't know whether I felt someone in the room or I had to go to the bathroom. But when I turned over, there was a being at the foot of my bed. And I was terrified. He was about three, four feet tall. He wasn't gray, but he had the phenotype of a gray, the big pear head, the wraparound eyes. He or she, I guess, I don't know, but they were more chalk white. But their tight-fitting jumpsuit looked like Reynolds wrap. That I remember. Uh, very spindly. And he looked at me. She looked at me. And I looked at him, her, and I just pulled the covers up over my head. I was, I've never been that scared. And I was in the fetal position. Michael, let me ask you now, this wasn't like a shimmering kind of apparition. This appeared to oh, be a physical being. This was a physical being. This okay. was a physical being. Let me and ask it, you one little question. You were yeah. terrified. You probably don't remember this, but you've seen them since. Oh, and yeah. I still see them. just happened to, I'm kind of going sideways just for a second here because otherwise I'll forget. When you have seen some of these ET beings, you say you see the auras of humans. Do they emit auras also? I, I, I was just going to tell you, this This. This individual had, I mean, my, my, my bedroom was lit up like Times Square. Uh, he had a bright lapis blue light huh. around him, and a like a glowing light, like like my my room was like Times Square. And I looked at him, her, and he looked at me, and I pulled the covers up over my head. And at that time, I felt like I was outside. It was freezing in my room, and I heard this whoosh. Like like this wind blowing, this whirlwind, and I pulled the covers back down, and nobody was there. It was like nothing ever happened. Now your girlfriend slept through all this. Slept through it, and then when I went and I told her about it, but she was very open. She's a very she still is. Uh, we're exes now, but she's a deeply spiritual woman, and she believed me, which helped a lot. But what was starting to happen was every full and new move, twice a month, they would come. 
and they would paralyze me. And so I was not asleep. And I don't know whether they knew she wasn't home because she worked in the evenings. And uh, what would happen would be I couldn't move, but they would show me pictures. One time they spoke and it was like a uh, like I had a stereo system in my head. Their mouths didn't move. They had this little slit for a mouth. It was like telepathy. They showed me pictures of a past life I had as a, as a, as a monk. And as a Catholic priest, they showed me a picture of something that would that did happen in the future. It was all church related. Um, but I noticed that now it took me about 10, 12, probably about 12, 13 years for me able to turn the lights out going to bed. Even still now, sometimes I wait as if keeping the light on will keep them from coming. But it was like post-traumatic stress. Of course, I told you I went to see uh I went to see a therapist, Gene Mundy, because I was fearing for my sanity. And then I started seeing other beings. But I want to go back. Uh, and I could not stop reading about this stuff. Uh, I, I just, and remember, I had no interest. I didn't watch Star Trek. I had no interest in science fiction at all. But I felt like I, I got more intelligent. Uh, I started handling situations differently. I st it started to be easier for me to be able, I, I'm sure my girlfriends love this, it was easier for me to say I'm sorry, or I don't know, or wow, <laughs> directions. Uh, I, I, I mean, I, I'm being flippant about it, but I started to shift. I got by with less sleep, a lot less sleep. My hair grew faster. I have Cherokee in me, so I don't have a lot of hair. This is about as much hair as I have this little silver stubble on my chin. And I just started uh, reading everything I could on this phenomenon. Well, Michael, it's interesting because other people that I've talked to or interviewed um, say the same thing. And we're, we're going yeah. to get to the crux of it a little bit later. But uh, they say that for, somehow their abilities are often enhanced after these encounters, even if they're not clear in the moment what the encounters are about. Yes. Do you gain any clarity consciously about what these encounters were about, aside from noticing, you know, the hidden benefits, so to speak? I didn't really. I mean, I feel like I'm doing my life's mission, which is to grow and to, to love and to learn to love. Uh, you know, uh, being a person of color in the United States, I'm a diversity and anti-racism trainer. And so part of what I'm doing is, you know, getting trying to build bridges between the races here, but also building a bridge between the human species and uh these star nations and star people, because a lot of people uh, are just, you know, the gray, uh, the grays are bad, the, the reptilians are bad whom I've met. Uh, and that's simply not true. So I'm building a bridge. Now, I did go to a very, very talented psychic friend of mine who has since transitioned many years ago. And I never mentioned this to him. And when I walked in his room for the reading, he told me about it. Uh, but he said that uh, he was getting that I had past lives with them, like in Atlantis and other civilizations. And so this is not new, that I'm just needed on this particular planet at this particular time, as we all are. So I don't think of myself as having this very grandiose mission, but it's really about spiritual transformation to me. And, and, this is, and, this is, and they've, they've helped me with that. 
I've had to work. They didn't take away lessons from me. I mean, I've been divorced twice. Uh, you know, I've had some rough relationships. My brother uh, was murdered. My brother-in-law was murdered. They didn't take away my life lessons, but they gave me the tools to, to look within and to just, I can weather the storm. When you say they gave you the tools, first of all, let's speak besides the gray uh, type entities. Yeah. What other type of entities did you meet with? And I do want to get to that time you ended up in the hospital with a leg the size. Blood clot? Oh, my God. That yeah, that was terrible. Yeah. I, uh, I've i seen the reptilians twice. What, now, uh, what was that like? What What were the circumstances? Okay. When you asked me about the now that was real because they touched me. I I, I was in the same uh, apartment, the Excelsior Hotel, uh, on Central Park West, uh, between Columbus and Central Park West. Um, this being just walked through, just walked through my wall, just walked through my wall, and uh, uh, of course it's easy for them to say, but you know. Don't be afraid, really. Uh, and he was huge. Uh, outside of the Greys and the Nordic brother I saw, these people, I don't know whether they have a, a gym on the ship. They work out. I mean, these people are ripped. Anyway, he came in, he being uh, the reptilian. He's beautiful now looking back. At the time, not so beautiful. His eyes, the pupils were... Uh, Vertical. Vertical, yeah. Kind of yellow. His skin was like an alligator, gray, green, uh, but very, like I said, very, very muscular. And he just looked at me and he touched me. He said, don't be afraid with these claw-like hands. And uh, I was in shock. And he stared at me and I stared at him. I didn't go into the fetal. And uh, he just walked out the same way he came on the 15th floor of the Excelsior Hotel. He just stepped right out. Well, uh, Michael, what, after he left, because you seem to have this experience where you look into each other's eyes and we know that tremendous amounts of energy and information yes. can pass that way. Yes. Uh, even, if it's, even if you can't even telepathically discern it. Yes. What was the experience afterward or was there any kind of thought that you may have been left with or images no the only thing i thought was that uh i mean i, I have so much energy it's like it's enough i, I didn't need to sleep for like uh, uh, 10 days or so i mean i was getting by and i and also the other change that i didn't mention and this is i i teach reiki and i had no uh, really inclination to do that until after these experiences. And I had one woman who's been a healer almost as long as I've been alive tell me, uh, she called me a liar. Uh, she came here, she was walking with a cane. After two sessions, she didn't need the cane anymore. I mean, I live on the third floor of it. And uh, she called me a liar. And I said, why, why would you say that? You're better. You're better. You don't need the cane. You just walked up three flights of stairs. She said, because you're telling me that this is Reiki energy. She said, I've been a healer almost as long as you've been alive. This is not Reiki energy. This is from your friends. This, this energy is from your friends. And I was like, oh, my God, maybe it is. So I call it space Reiki.
Space Ricky. Okay. I, mean, I don't know what it is. I just know it comes through me. I've had some things happen. I've had people's cancers go into remission. I've had people die in peace. I mean, I'm not a doctor, uh, so I can't guarantee this stuff. I have people's uh, uh, tumors. I had a woman's ovaries. Uh, she had a tumor. I've had that. I, they shrank. Uh, but again, I'm not a doctor, and I cannot uh, guarantee that. I almost got I almost got fired from a job because I was a chaplain at a hospital in New York. This woman had gangrene, and they were going to cut off her leg at the knee. I gave her two Reiki sessions in her hospital bed, and they only took her uh, baby toe off. And I asked her, I said, please do not tell anybody. And she told my boss, and I almost got fired. Well, that's certainly close-minded and unfortunate. But there is an interesting a little bit of kind of historical tidbit here that has to do with that, because I believe it was the same hospital that Stephen Greer used to work in. Yeah. Now this, these things I'm telling you about happened at a hospital in New York. I was a chaplain at Mission Hospital here in Asheville, North Carolina. And I later heard that Stephen Greer was an emergency room doc at that same hospital. Same hospital. Okay. And I I confused those two. So here we have it. Um, You're getting these these visitations, these incredible energetic downloads. You're finding that it's beginning to help you on a psycho-spiritual level. Yes. um, Manage your emotions better. Now suddenly you want to start using your healing capabilities and you begin healing people. Yes. So. Now comes the time. You're, you, you do your dissertation, um, or your thesis, on the subject of alien influences in the Bible. So now you're kind of going, you're, you're bringing your two worlds together here. And tell me what you were bringing to the table that the previous people who had written on the subject had not. I mean, of course, your experiences, but how did you tie it together in a unique way? You do some great, during your show, you do, um, your presentation, you do great images too. Um, and oh, thank you. files of uh, alien artwork from the Renaissance and back. Yeah, thank you. Well, I wasn't, okay, you must remember that First of all, I have to thank Union to this day because they could have said, young man, you will not graduate from this seminary because Union is one of the top seminaries in the country. Um, I, but, you know, my, my systematic theology teachers, two of them asked me to stay on for a Ph.D., uh, but I was afraid at first because I thought that they were going to think I was wacko. Uh, what I bring to the table is what... Virginia Reverend Brasington didn't do, Barry tried to do, uh, 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 Brother Morris Jetsup, who was killed under mysterious circumstances. I Maybe tell us that after this. Yeah, Yeah, I don't know. He just died and, and all of a sudden. But anyway, this was not mainstream. So what I did was I brought it mainstream. Not only, you know, here's this minister who was talking about, because in the beginning, I wasn't talking about my experiences. I was still in the closet about that. I was just saying, this is my research. And of course, giving credit to where I was getting. But, it, you know, things were timing. And uh, 
this was my thesis. I mean, I was doing little conferences. I didn't have a book. I would type an article that was maybe in a UFO magazine or something like that. I would go there and I would sell it for a dollar. I, I would do cassette tapes of my uh, uh, lectures. So I was just starting out. And, uh, and then I said, I need a book. People said, if you want to be taken seriously, you need a book. And that's, uh, things just fell into place. You know, I had a little mom and pop uh, publisher, Blue Star Productions. They were in Arizona. They, they've, they're defunct. But I got a book out. It was terrible. I needed good editing, better editing, whatever. But it was out there. And then someone told me about uh, another publisher, which I'm not with anymore. They went belly up. But then it was out there. One day, I was in my office here uh, working as a diversity uh, director, and I get a call from Hollywood, just like that, from, at that time, Prometheus Productions. One of the producers says, is this Reverend Carter? I said, yeah. Well, this is so-and-so from Prometheus Productions. We're doing a show called Ancient Aliens. Got your book here. Like you to be on it. And things just started falling into place. Shirley MacLaine wanted to talk to you. Uh, George, later on, wanted to talk. Uh, you know, the, you know, just the and I was getting out there. Right. And, but I did, and the only reason I realized that it was happening, uh, Regina, was this. When they asked me for a bio and I started typing up the, sh the shows I've been on and things I've done, I did Spielberg's. He was, he was the producer of Abduction Diaries, which later became Taken. Right. I'm, I'm one of the people there. And then I typed it up and I said, this is impressive even to me, mm -hmm. you know, and, yeah. uh, and that's, that's how it happened. It was no pre, because when I was coming up, there were people who were trying to get famous off of this. Right. There were people who were actually trying to, which was bizarre, but, and I, I was like, you're not going to do that. But by being in the theater uh, then I went to church, which is something I always wanted to do. Those skills of public speaking, uh, my research, I was the, it was the perfect storm. So let's look at this now. Okay. And now you've blended these two worlds of deep spirituality yeah. with alien contact, with the messages from the Bible. Yes. And first of all, I'd like to, for you to share with us um, two or three of uh, some of the more, the ones that you think are more significant and more literal in the Bible, but also the overarching message of why this is important to even know about. Okay. Um, first of all, people ask me, can you be a Christian and believe in extraterrestrials? And I say, of course, of course. I'll, I'll, but let me give you some examples. Judaism doesn't exist until the Exodus. And remember, they're just a ragtag band tribe. They're trying to pull it together. You know, Egypt is not the nicest place to be living. And uh, so they escape and they actually steal stuff from the Egyptians, which I guess, you know, it could be worse. And they're fleeing. But they're but they're they're following the pillar of cloud by day, the pillar of fire by night, and they're modern day UFO sightings where at night it glows like fire, the craft, 
and they're using the words that they, the vernacular, the vocabulary that they could use. And at night, I mean, in the daytime, it's a cloud. And we've seen that UFOs can camouflage themselves in a cloud. Uh, they can emit clouds. And so, and it's unidentified. It's flying, it stops and starts. That's an unidentified flying object. And they're following this. They, it feeds them. It gives them manna or whatever it is that they're eating. And so, uh, and then it leads them out of Egypt. And we have Yahweh, who to me is not a god, but an extraterrestrial who needs anger management. Uh, and so, uh, here we have a religion being started by contact with, uh, I think, that are be I, I say in, anywhere in the Bible where you put the word angel, take out the word angel and put extraterrestrial, it makes more sense. Another example is the birth of Jesus. Now, we're skipping thousands of years here. Uh, we could talk about Ezekiel, the craft of Ezekiel, and uh, that kind of thing. But, <clears throat> pardon me, the birth of Jesus. There is a star or what the wise men are following, and their Zoroastrianism, that, that religion, they're coming from the East. Uh, but stars don't hover over houses or majors and shine lights down. If they did, the whole gravitational pull of the Earth, you want to talk about tsunamis and climate changes. <laughs> but this, this craft is followed by the three wise men. They're coming from the east, astrologers most likely. And it stops over this manger, and not only does it stop, it shines a light down on it. That is a craft to me. That is a craft. Uh, Ray, Ray Charles can see that that's a craft. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And so I'm like, oh, my God. And then I started looking at Native American, even the Cherokee. We say we come from the Pleiades. We're not the only nation that does. And all these nations are talking about star people. Uh, and so I'm saying, and I want to be clear to the listeners and the viewers, I'm not saying that there is no God. I don't think God is an extraterrestrial. But I do say that these beings, Jesus, Moses, uh, they've had contact with these beings. Well, and let's talk about that for a moment, because I noticed behind you on your wall, you have... Um, you Akhenaten. Have, yeah, yeah, Akhenaten, and I think you have another one behind your head. Hieroglyphs. You can tell there might be Nefertiti and Akhenaten. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, in some of the, the... Power couple. Yeah, the power couple. <laughs> and some of the uh, newer um, uh, historical renderings of the 18th dynasty, um, Lawrence Gardner's work and other people... Yes, ...that Akhenaten... Was an extraterrestrial. Moses were yeah. either brothers, step or the same person, or the same person, yeah, brothers, or or and even as much as the same person. Yes. So we know the time frame that all this happened in. If you're pegging Moses in with Akhenaten, but the other part of that is this: you know, everybody does. You know, if I does find the skull structure of their family curious. Many people think that Akhenaten, Nefertiti, their children, and, and extended family were probably hybrids of some kind, human-alien hybrids of some kind, which yeah. means Moses 
would have been as well if he is in the direct lineage in, in the in the family, the nuclear family. Yes. So that kind of makes an interesting story too, and also in that he didn't speak the language of the people that he was leading, correct? Well, remember, uh, yeah, Moses was Egyptian. Yeah, he was an Egyptian. Yeah, he was Egyptian. Yeah. And yeah, he may not, and he had a stutter. Yeah. He had a stutter. So I'm just bringing the ET blood yes. potentially in there. Well, I, I, I mean, you know, listen, the sky's the limit with this kind of thing. What We could even argue that the God of Jesus and, and the God Yahweh may be two different. Jesus may have been talking about worshiping a very different God. I mean, we, well, I, I've seen that. I've heard that argued. Because Jesus' God is a God of love. Of love, of mercy, of compassion. Yeah. And Yahweh does mellow out as time goes on, but he's a mess at the beginning. But, 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 but what's also interesting... Sounds pretty is, human to me. <laughs> yeah, yes. And, and Jesus was a, a student of the First Testament, the Old Testament, so he took it very seriously. But as I mentioned at the... Uh, at the conference, if you go to Isaiah 40, verse uh, 22, uh, Isaiah's writing, it is he who sits on the circle of the earth, or the sphere of the earth. How did this person know that the earth was round? Yeah. You know, he's talking about, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain. That sounds like the view of someone looking down. If he's saying, if he's saying they're like grasshoppers. Mm -hmm. uh, if you look at Ezekiel, uh, there, well, there are many passages when I talk about Yahweh or the Lord. It could be a commander of a ship making him eat human excrement. But yeah, no, wait, no, excuse me. What kind of God would make you make human? Thank you. Uh, go and slay a race of people. That, yes. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. That's that, not a sir, God. These are the questions that I began to ask. You know, if because the Ten Commandments, there were there were six hundred and thirteen commandments. They got it down to ten, but they did that those were just for the jewish people you did not murder other jews you did not sleep with your neighbor's wife you did not covet you did not steal that wasn't for everybody because if it was then they wouldn't have gone into the land of canaan and taken the land well and as it was ordered for them to take the land and slay the people and show yes. mercy. what kind of god tells you to what do what kind of god tells you that okay yeah. now this gets us to the subject of the names of god so we have Yahweh, and this is all very confusing because, you know, the texts were um, edited and retranslated sure. so many times, thousands of uh, translations of the Bible. So here we have um, Yahweh, Jehovah, yeah. right? And the yeah. Elohim, right? Yep, but the Elohim was plural. Mm -hmm. Elohim means more than one, mm -hmm. which gives us a clue mm -hmm. that there are gods which I would say there were star people yes. that were, you know, uh, the Elohim were, 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 was God's plural. And Zachariah Sitchin talks about that in his work, mm -hmm. but that's what it means. Yeah, and Je uh, Jehovah and Yahweh seem to be the same person. But what gets, what gets kind of different is when you read the Lord, and sometimes it's capitalized and sometimes it isn't, and the Lord could be a commander of the ship. 
You know what I mean? Well, actually, you hear that terminology among people who talk about alien contact and being in galactic starships and everything. They often use the term Lord. Yes, yes, yes. So it could be, that could mean like captain or this is the captain of the right. ship or this is the commander. So, I mean, it's looking at it from a very different perspective. But for me, it doesn't take away from the, the, the beauty, not only the beauty of the book, but also it's a lot of wisdom in the book. Mm -hmm. uh, if Jesus is a hybrid, which, you know, if your mother's human and your daddy isn't, then that means you're not fully human. To me, that doesn't take away from his mission. And he says in the Gospel of John, my kingdom is not of this world. I mean, he, he says that very clearly. Right. Uh, I mean, we could read that to mean multidimensionality or uh, other planets, um, other places within the solar system or the cosmos. That can be read a lot of ways. Right. But he also says that John, he says, but don't you think that if I wanted to, my father could send me a thousand legions of angels? Okay. I mean, it, it basically, I could, I could bring Rome to its knees if yeah. I wanted to, but that's not what it's about. Right. It's another way of saying, you guys really don't know what power is. <laughs> not really. I mean, when Jesus is on trial with Pilate, Pilate thinks he has all the power. And in a sense, he does. Because he says, you know, this is not working. We have to kill you. But Jesus, we're still talking about this man you know, all these centuries down the line, and Pilate's name is, it's tarnished, and, you know, it's a different, it's a different um, perspective on what it means to be, to be powerful, what it means to love, what it means, right. you know what I mean? It's bigger than the, this earthly military might, which is what Rome has, which is what we have today. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it's interesting going into some more kind of esoteric texts, um, more Gnostic, Hermetic, and so forth. We read that the great sages throughout the ages that came with the messages of that were more enlightened all shared common features of uh, virgin births, uh, three days after um, the winter solstice, Yes. Uh, is their birthday uh, the darkest time of the year, bringing light into the world? And and um, I worked with Freddie Silver recently in a series in Sardinia. Uh, after it, I used him as the, the key figure in it for dating these edifices, but the book that he had just written uh, called Missing Lands has to do with the emergence um, and appearance of these taller-than-normal uh, they call them the shining ones in many languages throughout history. I've read the book by the, like that. There I've read a go. book about that. Yeah. yeah, and they happen to appear when humanity is in a dark phase and needs a new infusion of enlightenment and knowledge, yes. right? So yes. where, how, where do you put us in the alien story uh, and having gone from fearing them, uh, letting them hoodwink us into subservience, all the way through to now where, you know, dis where disclosure is pretty common to where we're going in the future. How does this all play for you on a psycho-spiritual level now? Well, well I, I think, first of all, we have to realize that all of them have not hoodwinked us, you know? And no, I'm speaking only of the couple. Right. The rest yeah, have been yeah, yeah. But, but I mean, I mean, I, I yeah. mean, because there are people who say that. Yeah. There are people 
they don't make any distinction at all. And I think right. that's, that's harmful. And we do that with each other. But I think we are going into the so-called age of Aquarius. I see a new world being born. I mean, there's a lot going on, but there's, there's an old paradigm shift that, we, that, that needs to change. And those who are benefiting from it, they're going to hold on to it with all their might. And that's to be expected. Uh, but I do see, I see all this stuff going on around the world, whether it's in the Middle East, whether it's in Africa, whether it's in Europe, here. People are saying, we're fed up. Uh, uh, this old way is not working. We want food. We want education. We want, we want jobs. We want to be treated with dignity. And so I see a new consciousness coming, but there's going to be some hiccups. So I have... Uh, a lot of hope <clears throat> now pardon me um i don't know if there's a prime directive i mean we could talk about that some people say that you know like the star trek thing there's you don't you don't get involved with lesser evolved civilizations or what have you maybe that's true but i know like any good teacher a good teacher will tell you where to look but that won't tell you what you have to see mm-hmm and so I think for me and the, the star people that I've come in contact with, they, they've told me where to look, but it was to look inside. Yeah. It was to look inside and to realize that uh, not just give lip service to it, but what I do to you, I do to myself. What I do to the earth, I do. To, and that's why I, I left Christianity. Uh, Jesus is my brother. I don't worship him, but I, I, I'm more, um, my spirituality is mystical for all the obvious reasons, but I'm more in tune to the natural world, which my ancestors were, uh, whether they were Cherokee or from Africa or European. I have some British in me, and so there's probably a little Celtic stuff going on, uh, maybe a little Scandinavian. I took that little swab. I don't know how they came up with it, but that's what, what did you did. come up with? What was uh, I knew about the British, the Cherokee, and the African, but I came up with Scandinavian. Interesting. But they wanted more money. They wanted, I wanted more <laughs> questions, and they wanted, I said, this is enough for me right now. Viking, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, oh, I love it. But, but my point being was just for me to look within. And that's what I preach every Sunday at my church. There were a couple people who tried to get me fired, but my board stood up for me. That was several years ago. Uh, my denomination is a very privileged denomination in a lot of ways, very well educated, but they're very cerebral. And I love the life of the mind. I really do. I respect intellectual acuity, but I know, you know, you can't get there from here. Like the Apache brother told me, the longest distance you'll ever travel is from here to here. And when I did some research uh, by, about Weimar Germany, uh, you, uh, they had uh, Germany had the highest number, or at least close to it, of PhDs in Europe, but they still made soap out of people. Yeah. So, so your mind, the intellect is not going to do it by itself. I totally agree with you, but it's something that uh, we have been blessed and cursed both with. 
Um, That is our primary filter we have to operate through. So you do a really good job of weaving the two together, but you use the heart as really the messenger for it. And I think for me, I think that's the success in what you do is the heart is always present. And um, I wanted to just get back to, because I said we would, uh, your moment in the, you went to the hospital, you're like, tell us about what happened there. Oh my God. Mentioned from a nice being from elsewhere. It was a, it was a, like a blues song, a country Western song. I was getting divorced. I had to move out. Did she take your pickup truck? (laughs) (laughs) Let me tell you, it was a mess. (laughs) And it all hit at once. Divorce, moving out. My dad died and I was getting ready to lose my job. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> and I wound up with a blood clot. It was from my my ankle and my right leg up to the groin area. I had never had one before, so I gave it Reiki. It would go away for a couple hours, but it kept coming back. I had uh, uh, it was I, I I just it was like excruciating pain. And so my ex wife, my first ex wife. I called her and she said, look, you didn't listen to me when we were married, but I'm telling you, you're not supposed to have that kind of pain for three days. You need to go check it out. And I said, sure, sure, sure. But the next day, so I went to my primary care doctor. He said, did you drive yourself here? I said, "Uh, yeah. He said, go right now. Uh, I had to get uh, an MRI. He said, you have a blood clot and if it breaks, I said, it's going to ruin my day. He said, it'll definitely ruin your day. So I, I, they did it. They put me on Coumadin and a, and a drug called Anexaparin. They were blood thinners. It was crazy. I had to inject myself twice a day in my stomach area to thin out the clot. So I did. Um, July uh, 4th, 2013. At 10 minutes to nine, here in this apartment, again, I'm in my bedroom. Uh, I sleep on my stomach, but I wasn't asleep. And I distinctly remember, because I have a lot of friends who were in Vietnam, and we had a terrible thunderstorm. I was so happy because I would always go to see fireworks. I don't like fireworks. I, I mean, they don't do it for me. But my, my ex and my daughter, they love it. You sit out there, mosquitoes eat you up. You're out there for two hours. The show's only a half hour. It was just miserable. So they canceled it. I was like, yay. So anyway, I remember not being able to go to sleep. And uh, I said, this must be what it was like for my friends. Because they were talking about artillery coming in and out. You may get two hours sleep a night. If that, you may get under attack. And it sounded like that. I could not sleep. But again, I felt the presence. And I turned around. And there was a guy, again, he was built because he had a cowl on like the monks used to wear back in the time with a rope belt, a hoodie, a cowl, very, very pale, blonde hair, like almost like a little page boy. And really, you could see he was humanoid, very pasty looking, but big blue eyes. And he held his hand out. And an apple green light hit my stomach. I didn't feel it, but I saw it. 
And I just, you know, my usual deer in the headlights. And then he dissolved. I tried to call Preston Dennett because Preston had written a book. He, he's got the part two out now. I'm in the book, but it was on UFO healings. But it was 10, okay, so 10 minutes to 10, my time, 10 minutes to 7, he was probably out. So I was just up. I was up. I didn't call anybody else. And so when I got out of bed the next day, when I put my feet on the floor, I looked at my leg. Now, my leg was like LeBron James. I wish I was built like that. But I have little bird legs. And it was gone. The clot was gone. I didn't have the wherewithal to take a picture. But when I did call my ex and, uh, and my daughter, I, when I saw them, they said, oh, my God, you, they healed you. I, my, my leg was back to normal. The thing was I had to go to the doctor. Because every, you know, every week or 10 days, they made me stick. They stuck me to see, you know, what was going on. And they were, they would not let it go. This doctor would not let it go. Well, how did this happen? We I said, it just happened. The, 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 the drugs are working. He said, not that quickly. How did this happen? I said, I don't know. I woke up. And he said, well, did you do anything? Were you taking anything else? I said, no. And then finally, I said, and it was a woman. I said, I believe, yeah, I think it was a woman. I said, aren't you happy for me? Are you happy? Because this is gone. And they were like, oh, well, of course we're happy. Like, yes, yes, of course. we're. But, but we, because, you know, they're scientists and they could not. And uh, they let it go. And they said, we'd like you to stay on the Coumadin. For, I said, no, I will not stay on it. Uh, and so I got off the Coumadin in, I think, like three months instead of the six months to a year. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, that's a wonderful story. And the thing is, these things are oftentimes happening us with us when we're not even aware of it, because oftentimes we can't see into the other dimensions where we are receiving help yes. and being bathed in assistance, even when we're not aware of it. And yes. what I like about your story is you don't make, these aren't dramas, you know, oh. these aren't setting you aside and making you yet another person to worship because you've had an experience. They're basically no, no. saying these forces are here. They interface with us. And by and large for you, it has been a positive affair, sounds like almost across the board. Almost, except one time. And that was only a painful thing. I mentioned it at the conference. Yeah, you did, where there was a little kind of probing. Those yeah, yeah, yeah. But other than that. Yeah. You know? And so, yeah. And so it seems to me, I mean, you're one of these beings who I would guess you've had this collaboration with beings from other places who know you might even be from one of these places initially, like many people are. Um, yeah. This yeah. collaboration, and you're really here to take the sting and the fear out of it and bring it together in a world of spirituality, multidimensionality, and kind of cosmic relationship. I agree. I, 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 and that's what I feel. I feel like I'm living what I, I maybe I made an agreement between lives, who knows, but I feel like I'm on the path that was set out for my spirit until I leave here. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm just about building bridges if I can, whether it's racially, whether it's with star nations, 
uh, with just individual people. And no, I don't have any messianic complex or I'm special because uh, there are people who have, I know people who've never had uh, uh, ET visits and they're just deeply, deeply feeling authentic uh, uh, people with a lot of integrity. So this was just my path, but yes. I know people who, they just, they, they're just that way. So a couple books here, Alien Scriptures and A New World, if you can take it. What would you say, if someone's going to pick up one of your books first, what would you say they, they choose? I, I would say if they have, because I have two more, you know, I have the other two, God Consciousness and Spiritual Healing. I would say if they're interested in the UFO aspect, because I do talk about UFOs in the Bible and the Quran, I think that would be a good place to start. The alien uh, scriptures? Uh, alien scriptures. And then a new world if you can take it. And then I got away from that. I wrote a meditation manual, God Consciousness. And the last book is uh, Spiritual Healing. Love it. Metaphysics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love it. Okay, your URL. Best place to find you. Uh, they can find me at uh, michaeljscarter.com. Mm -hmm. That's where my blog is. Uh, uh, Michael J S Carter at gmail.com. My fan page is Reverend Michael J S Carter on Facebook. Very good. Well, Michael J S Carter, <laughs> thank you so much for taking the time. I know you're having some weather back there in North Carolina, and we thought it was a little iffy if our connection would hold, but it's actually held really nicely. So I'm so grateful we could do this right now, fresh after the conference we were both uh, oh, presenting at. That was really wonderful. And uh, Regina, thank you for having me on. You're so welcome. Okay, again, everybody, you can find Michael's work at michaeljscarter.com. Until yes. next time, thank you for joining us here on reginameredith.com.